We're going to continue reading God's Word, this time from chapter 6. This morning we are certainly continuing our series in Exodus and we are going from chapter 5 through to about verse 12 of chapter 7 with a slight overview of that text. Exodus 6 verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land that I swore with an uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you that we can gather together. We thank you for your word and for this remarkable story of you at work in human history, setting free a people who are oppressed by another nation, by Pharaoh. <clears throat> You're a God who is at work and a God who works his sovereign purposes out. We ask, Lord, that you would simply continue that process, not only in us, but that you would be pleased this morning to teach us, to enlighten us, speak to us, uh, that we, your people, might be aligned with your will and your purposes. We ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The men are away. Uh, There was about 30-something there yesterday, and... um, They're having a great time up there, except uh, Tony Paddock woke up this morning to find that the possum had half-eaten his sermon that he was going to be somehow (laughs) sharing this morning. Andrew Forbes is not well. He's had home again for the third time now. He got an infection in his same leg, right leg, and so he's a little bit, you know, questioning why God, what's going on? So please pray for Andrew, and he's working through some stuff and having some pretty honest conversations with God. But it has been, you know, a third blow in the last 12 months for him. And so God is at work, and Andrew, along like each of us, we just need to be listening. God, is this just because we live in a fallen world, or are you trying to get my attention about something? So remember Andrew. Rhonda is away. She's uh, been away all weekend. I've had a wonderful time. Uh, it's been sad. I've missed her. Um, but once again, I had to get my own breakfast and dress myself this morning. <laughs> the empathy of this church is just off the charts, I tell you. <laughs> she comes back this afternoon. She went away with about a dozen other teachers. They went somewhere down near Byron Bay and they had a wedding weekend. They're all dressed up in their gowns and tiaras and they had a wedding feast last night. There are photos to prove it. How much? Uh, Yes. This is a remarkable passage about a remarkable God who saves his people and who works through very ordinary people. In chapter 6, we're not going to read it, but I draw your attention to it. In chapter 6, in about verses 14 down to 25, there is Moses' genealogy. We're going to jump over that, but you could read through that this morning. And that's basically saying, this is them. This is the Moses and the Aaron that we're talking about. There's the family, there's the clan, there's the whole family genealogy. They're just normal, ordinary people, just like us, whom God took and whom God worked through. So we pick up the story this morning that Moses has uh, encountered God, as Pastor David spoke to you a couple of weeks ago now, at the burning bush and has been commissioned and called and sent to deliver a message to Pharaoh. 
God's pretty specific in what he said to Moses, and I want to draw your attention to that because there's an observation I want to make. Um, this is the Lord speaking to Moses. I've promised to bring you out of you know, the misery of the Egyptians and to give you this land. <clears throat> Go and assemble the uh, elders of Israel, say to them, the Lord, the God of our fathers, has appeared to me. I've watched over them. Um, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let's take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to our God. But I know, God says to Moses, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand, I'll strike Egypt and I'll perform wonders and after that, he'll let you go. You need to listen, maybe perhaps to reread the details of what God actually said to Moses, because when we come to chapter 5, that's not what he does. He goes close, uh, but he makes some additions and he has a couple of omissions and the response is not quite, I don't think, exactly what the Lord intended the end of chapter 4, Moses has told uh, everything the Lord said to him to Aaron. He's now passed the baton on. He even showed him the three signs, you know, throw the rod on the ground and it'll become a snake. Put your hand inside your chest and it'll become leprous. Turn water on, pour water on the ground and it'll turn to blood. And they did that to the elders. And when the elders saw it, as David read to us, is when they saw that and they heard, they believed and they bowed down, they worshipped God. It's all going swimmingly for Moses so far. So good. He was worried the elders wouldn't listen to him, but they did. They have received him. He was worried about this meeting and he needn't have worried at all. That's pretty true for us too, wasn't it? Always easy to say, but often the things we worry about do not come to pass. So far, so good. Matt Aaron, Aaron's on board, met with the elders, they're on board. They believe the good news and everything else. Now it's time to go to Pharaoh. We're not told how Moses had access to Pharaoh's presence, but in chapter 5, Pharaoh seems to be either in a location where he's pretty accessible because Moses and Aaron can do it, but down in verse 15, you even have the Israelite overseers being able to do it. So it's a pretty much an open court type situation at this point. Um, before we go any further, it's interesting to reflect also that Moses is, has met with God and he's in the process of being transformed, changed by God. Change is coming from the inside out for him. He's an ordinary person whom God is transforming, and it's a journey. He's not there yet, <clears throat> but we are. If you want to know more about your spiritual journey, study the life of Moses and see how he interacted with God and responded with God and how he becomes pretty much a fully obedient, not fully obedient follower. He does make a couple of blunders that we'll undoubtedly get to. When we meet with the true and living God, just like Moses has, then change happens for us. We start believing his word. We start loving other people. We start being better husbands or spouses, better husbands and wives. We're better parents. We're better at work. We have uh, our own convictions which develop and become more like the Lord Jesus. People will notice those changes. And because, just like in the early church, they knew the disciples had been with Jesus. So here is Moses, a man being changed with Aaron, and they're off to see Pharaoh. They've come off a spiritual high. <clears throat> Aaron's on board, the elders are on board, time to go deliver the message to Pharaoh. He's had this spiritual experience. He's been to a conference or a camp, and he's coming down from the mountaintop. He thinks it's going to be a slam dunk. It's going to be a walk-in, quick and easy fix. Warning. Sometimes when we get spiritually stimulated, when we're so excited by something God has shown us or revealed to us or done for us, sometimes we can disengage from listening to exactly what God is saying. We don't hear the bad things. We don't hear the difficult things. God told Moses, go and tell Pharaoh and he won't listen. It's going to be tough. Moses didn't hear it. Moses decided that, well, just like for us as well, he just walked into Pharaoh's presence, delivered this message. What does he say? 
This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so they can hold a feast to me in the wilderness. That's not what God said. It's close, but it's not it. Go to the king of Egypt, say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, not the Lord, the God of Israel. He, Pharaoh didn't call them Israel. He called them Hebrews. Use the words that Pharaoh understands God is getting Moses to try to do. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Moses doesn't say he's met with us. That's actually a formula that Pharaoh would have got. Oh, you've had some sort of divine encounter with a, a God. Pharaoh thought he was God, God on earth. But he understands that these are foreigners and that they would also have. And in fact, depending on how you date the Exodus, but in the time of Ramses, there is doc documentary evidence that we have which actually indicates this is not an unreasonable request. Other foreigners had approached Pharaoh for leave of absence, for could we go and have a, a religious festival to our God? Permission granted. There's historical documented evidence that at other times it did happen. But because Moses came in, guns blazing, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go. God didn't say that either. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness. Temporary leave. We'll be back. Now eventually, of course, Israel was going to leave and to leave totally. But initially, God said, I want you to deliver a moderate reasonable request. Pharaoh won't listen because he's pig-headed and stubborn. But I want to set that up. I want people to know that. Well, Moses messes with the program like he will at some other points in his life. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, let my people go. See, total national emancipation. So that they can hold a festival to me in the wilderness. To which there is a significant kickback. And should have noticed Moses did this. He took the wrong delegation. There is no mention of the elders. Maybe that wasn't his fault. But anyway, the elders didn't go with him and God had said, take the elders with you. He took the wrong approach. This is what the God of Israel says, not we've met with God and he's given us an instruction. He uses the wrong terminology, Hebrews, uh, Israel instead of Hebrews. He makes the wrong request. It's not th God wanted three days and Moses says, let him go. And then Moses adds something that God never said, maybe based on his own experience with God, don't know. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know who the Lord is and I will not let Israel go. Then Moses says to him, uh, the God of the Hebrews, now he's getting it right, uh, has met with us. You know, it's like, uh, oops, uh, supposed to say it this way. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. Here's the bit he adds. Or he may strike us with plagues and with a sword. And God didn't say that. But Moses is adding to it because perhaps he's trying to persuade Pharaoh. Because he stuffed it up. He got it wrong. That's in fact, I think, the key lesson that comes out of these three chapters is it's a failure to give precise listening to exactly what God is saying. Close, but not exactly what God is saying. And sometimes, I mean, God still is at work, God still works his purposes out, but the reaction of Pharaoh is extremely harsh. And perhaps that was provoked by Moses' confrontation. Even though Moses got it wrong, slightly wrong, the consequences were harsh on Israel, but God was still going to be at work. What we don't know is if uh, Moses' imprecise obedience actually um, delayed or provoked some of these reactions. And sometimes that's true for us. We don't do exactly what God is saying and something goes wrong in our life and we get upset and we think, God, why'd you let this happen? And the Lord doesn't say it to Moses here. And he may or may not sow it to us either as, well, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to do this. And God here and with us wills will often simply ignore that and give us the instructions again. Pharaoh's response, who is the Lord that I should obey him, is a central theme of Exodus all the way through. As you read through the book of Exodus, that's the question that's being addressed. Who is the Lord? What is he like? 
And in fact, in that passage I read, chapter 6, there's a disturbing paragraph for many, particularly liberal scholars. God says to the Lord, I am the Lord. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Yahweh, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Well, if you go back and read through Genesis, you'll find from Genesis chapter 4 that Yahweh does appear all the way through the text. And some liberal scholars just get turned inside out and saying, see, here is an inconsistency in the Bible, and now it's not that at all. Who wrote Genesis? Moses. Who's this to talk to? Moses. So whether Moses just simply used God's name, Yahweh, back when he wrote Genesis. So it's anachronistic. He's writing it back into the text. That's possible. Or it's also equally possible that what the Lord is actually saying here is, when I appeared to them, they knew my name, Yahweh, but they didn't know the meaning and the depth of my name. They knew me, they knew my name, but they didn't know me personally. They didn't know what I was like. I revealed myself to them as a promise maker, made promises and covenants, but they didn't know me as a mighty deliverer, as a lawgiver, as the sovereign one who is working his purposes out in this fallen world. They knew me as Lord Almighty, as powerful, but not one in a close covenant relationship with. Perhaps that's what's going on here. So Pharaoh, perhaps stimulated by Moses' inexact obedience, but certainly out of his own sinful heart, is declaring, I don't know who God is, He's ignorant of God's identity. He is resistant to God's authority. I don't know who he is, and if I did, I'm not going to do what he wants anyway. And he is a little bit malevolent, a little bit cruel and spiteful towards God's people, towards God's community. That's a common response that occurs even today. Ignorant of God's identity. Who is the Lord? Pharaoh thought he was in charge, he was on the throne. In fact, in chapter 5, verse 9, when he uses the word um, to work, it's exactly the same word that the Lord uses back in chapter 4 about worship. Make the work harder for the people, and they are to keep working for me. I'm in charge. I don't know who the Lord is, and I'm not giving up the reign of my life to him. Israel are my servants. Of course, because Pharaoh doesn't know who the Lord is, he's going to discover personally. But because he doesn't know who he is, nor is he desirous of discovering it, he makes the wrong conclusion that he thinks he is in control of his life. When God alone, the true and living God, is the only one who is. He's sovereign and he is the one who achieves his purposes. Pharaoh is resistant to God's authority. Why should I obey him? Pharaoh is typical of many people, isn't he? And he is malevolent, he's cruel, he's spiteful. Israel goes from a bad situation to a worse situation. Things have gone pear-shaped. It's out of the pan and into the fire. Perhaps, you know, stimulated a little bit by Moses, but ultimately it's Pharaoh's spitefulness. And what he actually says to his, after Moses and Aaron leave in chapter 5, he calls his slave drivers in in verse 6 and his overseers and he gives this order now to the people, no longer supply the people with straw, have to go find their own straw and they've still got to make the same quota of bricks. Back in chapter 1, we had the name of two cities, Python and Ramses in verse 11. According to archaeologists and historians, the city they would now identify as Python has another name now, but that same city. They have buildings that they have discovered there, and guess what? They have bricks made without straw. Foundation level, there are some bricks with straw in it, apparently, and as the building goes up, there is bricks with stubble and other things in it, and then there's bricks with nothing, no straw in it. Remarkable, isn't it? Well, not really. It's just God giving archaeological proof that what he says in his word is correct. It's true, historically verifiable. We can put our trust in what God is saying to us. Well, here is Paul Moses, who did what he thought God wanted him to do. He didn't do it exactly right, um, but at least he was 
perhaps heading in the right direction of trying to serve and do God. And then, lo and behold, it just goes pear-shaped. It's now worse for the people. Moses and Aaron leave the thing and the people are now getting the same quota but it's more difficult and they're getting hurt and they're cranky and they're tired. And eventually the foreman of the Hebrew workers, they make an appointment with Pharaoh. They go back to see Pharaoh. And they said, listen, what's going on? We can't do this. It's, you know, is, um, is somebody trying to make it more difficult for us or has this come from you? Um, it's impossible for us to do it. And Pharaoh just hits the roof, says, you are lazy, no good for nothing. To just come in. You've been listening to lies. That Moses and Aaron, they came in here and they did that. And then the foreman realised it's what Moses and Aaron did. So they go out and the passage says to us, uh, the people are scattered, they're now looking for it. Um, your servants are given no straw. At the end of the chapter, uh, the Israelites, verse 22, no, 20, 19 and 20. The Israelite overseers realised they were in trouble when they were told, I'm not going to change the quota. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them. That could be translated, they found Moses and Aaron, comma, they were waiting for them. Who was waiting? Moses and Aaron outside the palace when they left? No, it's quite possible. No, the former, when they left there, they went looking for Moses and Aaron and they were waiting to meet with them. These guys were livid. And verse 21 says, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You've made us obnoxious. You've made us stink to Pharaoh and his officials. And you've put a sword in their hand to kill us. God's people, blaming God's appointed leaders for the things going wrong in their life. The important thing to note is verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord. Here is Moses, who's growing in his relationship with God, who initially made a mistake, he ran away. This time, off his spiritual experiences, getting blamed for something. We don't ever read that he uh, comes to a point of confessing or owning saying that. But he probably did. But he goes to God, and that's what we all need to do. When things go wrong, we need to go to God, and that's what he does. Moses turned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord? Why have you brought this trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble on this people, and you haven't done anything. You haven't rescued your people at all. If you read the text carefully, you'll see, Lord, you brought trouble on the people. You sent me and you haven't done anything. You, you, you. Your fault. That's what Moses is saying to God. I actually find that quite encouraging. Here is Moses being very honest in his relationship with God. In our relationship with God, we don't have to be. It's a real relationship. And if you're thinking and feeling it, then you should be talking, particularly talking to God about it. You should bear your heart to him. He's in the head office. Talk to him. He's the one you should be talking to. Not sure where everybody is at this morning, but sometimes for some of us, we have deep struggles. <clears throat> We're going through things and we don't understand why. Andrew Forbes. Or perhaps... You're being tempted, uh, you know, you feel like quitting. Life is too difficult, too hard. Well, let me encourage you, do what Moses did. Go to God, talk to him, be honest with him. Don't be rude, but be honest. Some people think Moses has stepped the line. I don't. I think he's crossed, he's gone into a very close personal encounter with a true and living God. And God never rebukes him. You'll find that consistently through the New Testament, through the scriptures. Job does it, David does it, Isaiah does it, Jeremiah does it, Jesus does it. Why? Even the Lord Jesus, understanding the divine plan, God's son himself, but fully human. 
Why have you forsaken me? I don't get it. Why? It's okay to go to God and ask why. It's okay to talk to God about anything, as Moses does here. It's not about being religious, it's about being real in our relationship, and Moses certainly is. And of course, when we go to God with these sorts of questions, in this case with Moses, it does give an insight, it does reveal to us that there is a difference between our expectations, what we think should happen or is going to happen, and reality. And that's why we are disappointed or hurting. We should pay very close attention to what God's word actually says. Because his word will always provide the corrective. It's up to God to decide when and how he will be active. And what he does in one person's life, he may or may not do in another person's life. We can't dictate to him, nor can we predict what he will do. He is present. But sometimes he may seem absent, silent. As I've said this morning, I think Moses was wrong in the way that he approached Pharaoh. Sort of wrongs too, too broad, isn't it? It's, uh, he just didn't do it exactly like he should have. But his instinct here is correct. He goes back to God and he's still trusting him. We, like Moses, don't like it when God is patient with others, when God allows others to hurt us or do things to us. But he is still our Heavenly Father and we need to be trusting him. He's the one who is overall, he is present and he is sovereign and he is working. So when Moses does go to God, what does God say to him? Chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now. Now, Moses. Now. Now you're going to see what I am going to do. Now. God doesn't say to him, cheer up, get a grip. <laughs> he reminds Moses of who God is. He reminds Moses of who he is. I am the Lord. I'm the one in control. I am the one who gave a promise and I keep it. I'm the one who entered into a covenant with you, with God's people, with Israel. And I am the one who is going to achieve my plan and purposes. Moses, uh, God doesn't give him any reply to the questions that he is asking. God's response is simply to say, look at me. Trust me. Obey me. The two things God says to Moses are good things for him to say to us in whatever situation we find ourselves. Number one, God is in control. And number two, God is a God who keeps his promises and who is working his purposes out in his way, in his time, and we need to trust him. We may not like what we're going through, but he is reminding us, calling us, walk with me and trust me. That's what Job did and receives God's commendation. He is the one who was in control. See, God could defeat Pharaoh with a nod, couldn't he? Snap his fingers and Pharaoh's gone, but he doesn't. Well, why not? Well, he's got a reason. Well, in Exodus, we're actually given the reason. We're not always given the reason in our own lives. But here, God puts Pharaoh through all of these experiences of the plagues and the judgments that we'll talk about next week because he wants Pharaoh to realise who he is, but he also wants the Egyptians to discover and know who God is, who he is, but he also wants the nations who are hearing about it to know who he is. God is acting and working so that people might come to know him and know about him. So God says to Moses, and I need to finish up, go and tell Pharaoh. He won't listen, but go and tell him. Moses says, well, if he's not going to listen, why should I go? Get this. God says to Moses, you are responsible to do what I want you to do. You go and tell him. You are not responsible for what he will do. Whether he will listen or not listen is not up to you. You do what I told you to do. Go and tell him. I'm not asking you to be successful to change Pharaoh. I'm asking you to be faithful. Do what I tell you to do. Well, that's what God says to us too, isn't it? He doesn't look for us being successful. He looks for us being faithful. Are you doing what I want you to do? And this is how God works. He achieves two purposes by doing the one thing. 
He saves Israel and he judges Egypt. He saves and he judges through the same means, revealing his lordship. Israel will discover personally that he is the saviour and sovereign lord. Egypt and other nations will discover he is sovereign lord and he is judge. In order that everyone, chapter 9 verse 20, in order that everyone might believe. Let me finish with this and then I want to tell you one story and I'll stop. So now Moses, go and tell him. Chapter 6 verse 28. Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. Chapter 7, verse 2. God is speaking. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of this country. Verse 5. God speaking. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against them. And then chapter 7, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded this time they get it right this time they do exactly what God says and they do what God said to do the first time Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh they didn't throw the rod down they didn't put their hand inside his chest they didn't pour water out on the ground they do now it's remarkable how God has tweaked the situation I think this passage chapter is a a story that talks to us about a failure to listen carefully God still works. God's still achieving his purposes. But get this, the root of all discontent in the Christian life, the root of all discontent in the Christian life is a failure to hear and believe what the word of God actually says and to act accordingly. The root of all discontent in the Christian life, a failure to hear and believe what the word of God actually says and to act accordingly. I think it's a great quote. It was a married couple. A failure to listen carefully. There was a married couple, a young couple, who not long after getting married fell into some difficulties and it went from bad to worse. They were starting to argue a lot and eventually the marriage deteriorated to the point where they said, well, anything that's going to help us now is we'll have to go to a counsellor. So they made an appointment, they went to a marriage counsellor and when they come into the, mar- the counsellor's office, he sits in the chair, he looks down at the carpet, he's dejected, he's defeated, and just sighs. <sighs> totally defeated, this young guy. She, on the other hand, she begins with a rant and a rave, and she, 90 miles an hour, doesn't stop talking for 30 minutes. Yakety-yak, yakety-yak, yak-yak. It's a he this and he that, and it's his fault, and he doesn't do this, and he doesn't listen, and doesn't do, and it's all his fault. And while she's in this tirade, the counsellor simply gets up from behind his dicks, walks around, grabs her by the shoulders, lifts her up, plants a kiss right on her lips and puts her back down. She's stunned into silence. He goes back around, sits behind the chair. The husband is just stunned. And the counsellor looks at the husband and says to him, that's what she needs twice a day every week Uh, twice a week every week the husband said well I can bring her here on Tuesdays and Thursdays (laughs) a failure to listen carefully we're going to pray Heavenly Father, you are a God who is at work and you are a God who speaks. You have spoken and written and given us your word. Help us, Lord, to hear, to listen to exactly what you say and require of us and help us to act accordingly. Meet with us. Help us, like Moses, to trust you in whatever situation we find ourselves in. We acknowledge that you are sovereign and that you are at work and that you will keep your promises. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
great reminder to listen, listen carefully to God and what he wants us to do and to follow that. Thanks, Lizzie. We're going to stand and worship how deep the Father's love for us. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. As we've been listening, as we've been singing, as we've been worshipping you, thank you that as we lift up our voices and sing and worship you, Lord, there's all those times when you speak to us as well, and we thank you for that this morning. And Father, we'd ask that you help us to be a people who listen carefully to what you say. Help us to read your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit of God will enlighten us. He will be the one who illumines us, opens our eyes and our ears to truth. Thank you for the assurance that you are in control, that you are on the throne, that you are at work in this world. Thank you that we can trust you 
And thank you, Lord, too, for the fact that we're able to talk with you honestly, intimately, one-on-one, to go to that private place, that closet, and meet with God and pour our hearts out to you. And so important that we do that, Lord, that we honestly talk to you in that relationship that you have with us that you've made possible through our Lord Jesus Father thank you so much for what you've done for us we want to thank you for the men's camp we thank you for those 30 40 guys that have been attending that camp some up there for the whole time some go up for the day thank you Lord for your teaching for the fellowship for the conversations that have been having up there for the one-on-one conversations that may not normally happen, but thank you that that's been taking place up there. Thank you for the fellowship. We pray you keep them all safe as they travel back home today. We do remember those amongst us, Lord, who are unwell. Some, Lord, who uh, we don't probably know uh, at this point in time, but you know all things. And there are some of us this morning, Lord, who are carrying burdens for a loved one and for a friend, someone that's on our heart right now, that we know needs your touch, Lord, in some way or another. And Father, we would bring that person by name to you right now. Please meet this need. You're the God who says, is anything too difficult for me? You're the God who is at work. Be at work in that person's life, Lord, we pray. But we do commit our brother Gary to you, Gary Chadasco. We pray for Gary this morning and ask that you'll continue to bear him up and strengthen him. We commit Bronwyn, our sister, to you as well, that you'll touch her life and meet her. Think of our brother Peter Lim. Pray for Peter that you will continue to remind him of your love for him. Meet his needs, Father. We pray for the families of these folks as well that we've been praying for. We do commit our brother Andrew Forbes to you and we pray that you meet Andrew, meet Julie as well. Just touch their lives, meet them, bring healing. Not only to their bodies, Lord, but to their hearts and their minds. We need that. We all need that, Lord, from you. Do your work in our hearts, we pray. Grow us close to you. Help us not to be satisfied with where we are with you right now, but we want to go further with Jesus. Help us to realise that you are the infinite God. So much more to learn and grow in you. Draw us close to you. Sometimes you use suffering, sickness and pain to do that. Bear us up, Lord, and meet these ones we do pray. Father, we do also want to just bring to you our sister church at Hertford Street. We pray your hand upon Pastor Josh there and Angela for the leadership for the community, for the new folks that have been turning up at that church. Thank you. Help them to put their roots down in that place, Lord, and to be part of your work out there in Hertford Street. We commit them to you today. We want to thank you for the uh, upcoming Kids Club program. Pray, Lord, you be at work. Thank you that you are in preparing the community for this uh, fantastic outreach event that happens every year here. And we thank you for those dedicated army of people who are ready to put their hand to the plough again for you and to work on for the kingdom of God in seeing children one for Christ. And so, Lord, we pray you prepare the hearts and the minds of the children who will come. Prepare their parents, their families. And we pray, Lord, that over this program that lives will be touched again by the gospel of Christ not just touched but changed Father do your work we pray and prepare the children for the program the shipwreck program that powerfully impacts lives by the spirit of the living God do your work we pray we want to remember to our school chaplains Father and we ask for these dear folk part of our mission And we ask that you will minister to them. Please equip them with your wisdom and with your counsel to know how they can talk with people, to listen to people. And Lord, they are exposed to so many different types of heavy, sometimes pastoral issues from students, from parents, from teachers. We 
Again, we ask for wisdom. We ask for listening skills for them. And we pray that you'll bless them with words that come from you in their chaplaincy role. So we thank you again, Father, for your hand on this church, for the work you are doing, the lives you are touching, the people who are preparing for baptism coming up shortly. May we see a fantastic array of people up here giving testimony to how Jesus has changed their lives and how they want to follow him through the waters of baptism. So bless you, Lord. We thank you for all the good things that you are doing in the life of this church. And Father, we come to our time now where as part of our worship together, we want to offer you our tithes and offerings. We want to bring to you these money gifts. Help us to do it cheerfully and openly. Help us to realise that we're giving to God. Help us not to rob you, but to give freely, openly, liberally, just as you prompt our hearts to do. And Father, that's the thing. We want you to speak to us and to prompt our hearts. We hear from you, Holy Spirit, as we give this morning. And may we sense your pleasure, Lord, as we give these gifts to you. And as we do, Lord, we know that you will take what we give and you'll translate that into people coming to know Christ, which is what we're all about here in this church. So do your work, Lord. Bless us as we bring to you our offerings now. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Help us to be people that continue to pray right through the day, the week, and all that lies ahead of us. Yeah, help us to be a praying people. And we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Bless your church. Your uh, offerings will now be received. Thank you. attention as the offering is just about concluded I think Pastor Darrell was a bit confused last week about these things um, Kids Club, just so you're tuned in, Kids Club uh, they do need some little bits and pieces for the craft and so on and so forth this is what they were talking about red cups, red disposable cups and one of these things as well so when you walk out of the church, if you happen to walk out that way, just have a look in the boxes. There's a number of boxes there, the kinds of articles that the Kids Club program are looking for. So if you've got disposable bottles and cups and other bits and pieces down there, um, please bring those along because I'll use those for the craft side of it. So that's just so you know that. Everyone's, con everyone's not confused anymore. Good on your brother. All right, other announcements, please have a look at the screen. Also note that in your bulletin you've got these items there as well. Trivia night coming up, uh, Saturday, 26th of May. Teams of up to eight people, that'll be a lot of fun. $10, all the money you can see there, or 20 for family. Supper available, purchase the, on the night. Money raised will be going towards the... Now say that word with me. See a wayo, have I got that? Right, which is the language of... The Yao people in Malawi. Okay, rural Yao people. I had to look that up, so I'm not full of knowledge. I just had to I'll be honest with you. I had to find out what that was. Okay, so that's where it's going towards the Bible translation project for that particular uh, people group, language group. Uh, terrific program. So come along and uh, please spend your money so that um, they can, that can go towards that particular project. 
Okay, I think there's another one coming up. Lace, is it? Is it a oh, video? Is there a lace video? Thank you. Like the smallest spark. Like the faint glow of the coming dawn. Giant, unstoppable love. Like the sun rising. Like his sun rose. Undeserved, life-bringing glow. Shining on us. Filling us anew. And now we reflect, reflect his love. Us, the women with a heart for change. So I think you have a uh, little brochure on that in your bulletin as well so ladies terrific opportunity to get away together over that coming weekend Friday through to Sunday the time to relax reflect let God do some work and we all need to do a retreat every so often uh, personally and as little groups so encourage you to be part of that if you can please prioritize that I think you'll be glad that you do you will um, we have a mission spot now for uh, Colin and Rebecca Lyons so I think there is another video just like you to to uh, again look at the screen for that, thanks. Hello everyone at Sunnybank District Baptist Church. Um, I'm Rebecca Lyons and I'm talking to you from our team meeting room at the Oasis in Treiskirchen in Austria. Um, I wanted to first just say thank you so much for partnering with our family um, as we serve refugees here in Austria. Um, and we were very thankful too for your um, for remembering us at Christmas time and for your Christmas present to our family. Thank you very much for that. Last Friday night, I gave the talk at our monthly women's program, and I was talking about Mother's Day. And I asked the women in the room whether they celebrated Mother's Day in their country and how they did it, what they did. Mother's Day can be a time of celebration, but it can also be a time of sorrow for people who have lost their mother or who are separated from distance. It was quite a good night and we had um, probably about 30 people with us that evening. Um, we had some musical entertainment and um, with, that the women were able to participate in and we also had a craft activity as well. And that's a pretty typical Friday evening program at the Oasis. Every Wednesday afternoon, um, I lead a ministry for women and children. And it's a really casual kind of time that the women can come to, to have a cup of coffee, a cup of chai. Um, we share food, we share stories. Um, we have craft activities that the women can do. And we've also been using the creative arts as well in our program. And so um, as a music teacher, um, I'm always interested in working out ways that I can incorporate music um, into activities with the refugees and I was very fortunate to attend a, a training um, last year with um, Musicians Without Borders in Amsterdam and it gave me some um, ideas and um, techniques to use when working with people who have um, experienced a lot of trauma. Um, and one of the things that I've been using are these drums. This is a smaller one. Um, which is particularly for the children um, and games and fun things that um, that can be done with the drums um, and singing um, we use singing quite a lot and it's wonderful to watch the the joy that comes from these women when they are um, able to express themselves through music we also use dance um, they love dancing and um, I've bought sets of coloured scarves that I use with the women and we often dance with the scarves and yeah, our time often ends in dancing. Um, a church in Vienna actually um, gave me money to buy quite a number of these drums with for our drum circle. Also um, gave me some funds to buy some more musical instruments with and I was able to purchase these choir chimes 
um, that I've been using with the women and children and they really love using these because they can play music and make melodies. Um, they sound like this. And sometimes we use them just to accompany our singing and other times we're playing melodies with them. And it's been a real joy to watch the women and children um, play with these instruments. One of the areas that we've also been focusing on is um, being a voice for refugee ministry in our church in Vienna. So we've been so encouraged to, um, to see the way people are starting to really want to engage with refugees and to see it as an important part of the ministry of the church. At the Oasis, I really enjoy seeing the transformation that God brings to some of these refugees who have been through so much pain and suffering and to see the Holy Spirit working in their lives and to see them come in one day with a frown and a downcast look and the next day or next week to come in and have such joy and happiness uh, in their face. I really love opening up God's Word and learning from it myself and also sharing what I've learnt with the refugees of the Oasis. For the refugees that receive Jesus as Saviour, there's always a long story before they've even arrived at the Oasis of how God has been slowly drawing them to himself throughout their lives. Often these refugees have met Christians in Greece or Turkey who have helped them, prayed for them uh, and looked after them, shared the gospel with them. And it's really encouraging to hear the stories of God's church spread along the refugee highway through Turkey, through Greece, through Africa, and how God has used many people to impact the lives of these refugees that finally find their way into the doors of the oasis in Trishkirken. I've never seen those instruments before. Interesting sound. I uh, have to look at that one. Um, would you like to stand with us? We're going to finish with um, a reminder that Christ is enough for us.